Thank you for hitting that play button. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter. So give it a second. And it may take a little longer than a minute or so, but the Bible will be proven true. Mm. And I was reading in John chapter nine about this incredible account with Jesus where a guy who was born blind, and perhaps you know the story, Jesus sees him, he spits in the dirt, which is a little controversial anyway, that he would spit it and then put it on somebody. Mm-hmm. That's that's gross. Uh, it's, it doesn't feel clean, does it? It feels I unclean. I wouldn't let anybody else do it. I'll say that. <laughs> and this guy really doesn't have an idea as to who Jesus is as of yet. And then Jesus tells him after rubbing the mud on this man's eyes, go wash it off in this particular pool area in the temple. And they have just recently uncovered that very pool. Oh, in real in real life, they yes. like modern day, they found that. And I thought it was so cool. It's just one more confirmation that the things that are in scripture are accurate. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, well, how does that confirm that he healed? It confirms the pool existed in the first place. So you, these are the things that we need to, to hold on to in terms of we already know and we believe. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Right, right. right. So, so we didn't live in the time. We didn't have the luxury, if you will. I mean, it's probably weird choice words of the, uh, one, being one of the disciples and seeing firsthand the accounts. Sure. So how can we, how can we know for sure? Well, let's take these things in scripture and let's see, did these places exist? Right, yeah. Do the timelines align? Because the, the, for for uh, objective, uh, independent evidence, if you're talking to a person who doesn't believe, if you want to, you know, you mm-hmm. want to tell them that the Bible's or that Christianity is true, that Jesus loves them, uh, your personal change, unless they've been able to witness that over a, a big span, yeah. But if it's new acquaintances or something, uh, your change in your own life isn't objective evidence to a non-believer. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's evidence for you certainly. Uh, and the people that have been around you for the long haul. Uh, but but you telling somebody, well, I used to be this way, now I'm this way. Yeah, so, okay. you know? So so things like this are important too. It's really cool that God had this whole plan worked out and Jesus came at the perfect time and the proper things that were uh, uh, preserved, I guess, are we get to find now. I mean, that's so neat at the same time. But after you said that, it also makes me realize how important our own personal story can be to well, those who have been surrounding us sure. our whole lives, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So even though a new stranger might not necessarily connect to you through your testimony, mm-hmm. that person who grew up next to you yep. Yep. sees the difference. You know, I, I love using my brother as... Um, as an example, because I obviously was really close to him growing up and he is a completely changed individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I love getting to share that with my children. I was raised by the same people that raised my brother, but things went differently for his life. It was not on the same track. I think that, I think looking back, he said, I, I think looking back, he would be like, I wish I was on this track, but I wasn't, I wasn't. So when he rededicated his life to the Lord and just all, all of a sudden he's found his tongue, it's been loosed and he's able to share things that before he had never been as vocal as he is today in terms of sharing his love and his gratitude yeah. for, for people, for his Lord. You know, it, it's just a beautiful thing to witness in the life of my brother. You've seen that, that growth yeah. there. 
Yeah. That's and you cool. know that's supernatural. It's, it was like a switch yeah. for him. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he was um, Superman the next day. There is still a lot of growth that uh, hopefully we are all always growing in our knowledge of who, who we are in Jesus and further identifying with him. Yeah. Um, that I, I love that I read that chapter the morning that I heard the news. Yeah, that's kind of neat. It was so crazy. Like, yeah. oh, they discovered the pool. Yeah. But the book of John is just such a, a wonderful. It's a good one because it's a, it's one of the gospels. It goes along. It's the narrative of Jesus' life story. At the same time, you have uh, the observer writing it. You know, he was there witnessing Jesus saying these things. John saw Jesus also heal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he overheard the interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus it, on uh, on the roof that night where we get the incredible passage that shares, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And uh, recently, this morning actually, read about Lazarus. And obviously the story of resurrecting one of your best friends, that's pretty awesome. That's an incredible tale. And I've told, I've heard it told so many different ways. Like why was Jesus crying when he arrived on the scene? Sure. Is it because he truly was moved by seeing Mary and the mourners around her crying with her, Mary being the, the sister of Lazarus? Um, is it because Jesus knew that he would be removing Lazarus from the perfect presence of God and bringing him back? to this world. I don't know that we'll ever have the answer until that day where maybe we get to sit down with Lazarus and say, what's up? <laughs> he, he's probably like, it's good to be back. <laughs> I got I had to, I'm the only one that ever had to leave heaven. Well, I guess besides Jesus and, and Satan, uh, but uh, I got to come back and I'm glad I'm just going to say, I'm going to stay and put this time. <laughs> you know, I think that incredible story, there's so much to unpack there. But I, I think just even reviewing the difference between the sisters, for me as a woman, it was really important. I want to be a balance of both of those ladies. When we read about these sisters that live in Bethany, it's a place that Jesus would frequently show up. In fact, it's the place that he would go, uh, go to right before his death. He would stay with his friends. He would, doesn't that make sense, though? Where would you go if you knew that this was your last week on earth? Yeah. And he went out and he hung with his friends in Bethany. But um, Mary and Martha, so you may remember Martha is the busybody in the house, not necessarily gossiping. I don't mean it that way, but she was really just cleaning up dishes. She's the one making the food. Task oriented. Yes. And if you've got somebody in that, I know you have somebody in your life that every time you see that person, you're like, oh, yeah, she, she fits that description. She's a Martha. And then you have Mary who is sitting at the feet of Jesus while Jesus is teaching and just cannot get enough. She is soaking up every word like you're on the edge of a Marvel movie or something. (gasps) What's going to happen next with the gauntlet? You know, it's just like, (gasps) what is Jesus going to say? Because they both truly believe that Jesus is Lord. Martha says it. In fact, when Jesus comes, comes to Bethany after word has been sent about Lazarus being sick and then he stays on two more days where he's at, it takes him... at least four days to get there because Lazarus has now been four days dead when Jesus arrives. And Martha said, I believe that you are the Christ. Even after he clearly didn't come right away, Mm -hmm. that didn't distract her, even though he didn't answer her prayer, if you will, Mm -hmm. the way she had hoped for, 
she still knew that he was the king of kings. Mm, yeah, that's true. And she still believed. And Mary, um, she was so disheartened and emotional. It said at first, you know, Martha came to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed back. And then when Martha came to get her sister and said, hey, Jesus wants to talk to you, that's when Mar Mary came out. Just the differences of sisters there. And also, interestingly, it says um, friends that had come to stay with Mary to comfort her. It makes you go, well, where were Martha's friends? You know? Hmm. It just, I, I don't even remember that part, to be honest with you. Yeah, so it The fact out. that Martha may have not had friends. That's what I wrote in my Bible. I was like, did she not have any? It only says Mary's friends. Huh. So was she that kind of stoic personality that maybe people didn't feel like they could get close to her because she wasn't as emotional? Hmm. So maybe she was more reserved, more, you know, she's in the, the kitchen cleaning. Well, and I think that's what's interesting. And Mary's the socialite. <laughs> that, and and, and that's, that, that's what you'd be led to believe. That's what's interesting is because we often read the Bible like they're all stoic. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I am Moses, I am Noah, I am David. And it's yeah. like they're human beings. Yeah. I mean, culture was different, sure. Sure. But it's it's these are real people with real feelings and relationships. Yeah. And that's uh yeah, kind of sad too. She didn't have I mean, I don't know, but she didn't have any friends. I and it, Martha's also interesting because Jesus instructs her at one point. Um, they, they need to move the stone in front of the tomb for Lazarus. And I think even still, like Mar Martha's like, I don't understand why. She's already revealed, yes, you are Christ. You are the son of God. And then when Jesus asks her to move the stone, she kind of goes, whoa, wait a second. I don't think you know what you're doing <laughs> because he's been in there for four days. The smell, it's gonna right. be bad. And she was concerned what other people are gonna think. Um, Boy, doesn't that sound like, us on any given day. <laughs> it sounds like me on any given day. Jesus, thank you so much for being my Lord and Savior. You're awesome. I'm so glad that you know what you're doing. And then when I feel like he's asking me to do something, like, are you sure about that? Right. <laughs> do you know what you're doing? <laughs> are we sure? Yeah. But yeah, even those closest to Jesus felt that way. And Martha was one of them. And, and she ends up doing it. I'm so glad that she did because Lazarus is raised from the dead. And I can't fathom this poor guy like waking up after what he's just been through. That would be a conversation, right? After what he's been through, would it have seemed like ages? Would it have seemed like seconds? Yeah, yeah, true. And he somehow gets to the hole in that tomb and he's completely covered with gauze. Yeah. <laughs> There's that face covering and everything still on him. I don't know how he got to that hole. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hole. That's true. But um, Mary and Martha... I think there's a beautiful balance there for us as women to glean from that there are times for us to busy ourselves because this is a gift of love. Our gift of service is making sure that, yes, um, I, I can do this for my family, that there's food on the table. Uh, does it always have to be the woman? I'm not I'm not trying to play a gender role situation here at all because I know there's a lot of dudes that make good, really good food. Especially the grill at my house. <laughs> yeah. You're just talking about serving in general and whatever sure. your role is. Exactly, right? laundry or, or whatever it is that you are sitting at the homework table with your children, helping your husband. I, I like to do grammatical things. I'm pretty good at it. So if he's got something he's writing out and I can proofread some stuff, what act of service can I give and then also making sure that I'm taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus, mm. taking time with him every single day, and also taking time to sit at his feet by observing 
observing his love and light in in the gifts of my children. So when you say sitting at the feet of Jesus, is that just a devotional time? No, it, your devotional time can't expand past just reading the word of God. That's incredible, absolutely. But God wants you to take him with you everywhere you go. And that so it's not like, all right, I did that. Now I'm gonna put Jesus back up on the shelf and I'm gonna go live my life. No, bring him along mm. and allow that sweet devotion time with him to carry throughout your day and observe his goodness and his grace in everything that he's allowed and given you. And I think that bringing both of those things together, if you can find a harmony there, you have two spectacular references in the people of Mary and Martha who were very loved by Jesus. That's good. I like that. I, I do also on a lighter note, feel like Martha would be that random woman at a wedding that's telling people what to do. <laughs> It's like, it's like the, it's like yeah. the bride's third aunt, you know, or third cousin, you know, and she, and she's just like, you're as a groomsman. I've experienced it many times. <laughs> you guys start picking up these chairs. Who, who are who you? Who are you? Oh, get to it. And yeah. she's clearly in charge. It's really funny that you say that. So my mother-in-law, she is 81. Mm -hmm. My precious mother-in-law will to this day. And ever since I've known her and I've been married to her son for almost 19 years not sit down at a family gathering. She has to be busy in the kitchen, preparing the food, bringing it to the table. Now, when I grew up in my household, you didn't eat until the woman of the, the family sat mm. who had prepared the meal. Mm -hmm. That was a way that you could you know, show her respect and honor. But my mother-in-law, you honor her by letting her serve you. So she is constantly busy, 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 busy. And we're like, mom, Come sit down and eat. Mm -hmm. Come up, please. Do you need any more coffee? She's the cutest little swag around ever. No, please come and eat with us. And she told me the other day, she said, you know, if I had ever had a daughter, I would have named her Martha. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> that makes really? sense. Really? That's yeah. really funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, as we start this new year, there are so many things uh, that we we want to do. Of course, weight, uh, you know, health goals comes to mind. Finances and relationships. And but specifically with with health and weight, uh, and no judgment. I mean, I'm I'm part of this camp. I definitely want to lose weight this year. But it's it's always nice if you'd want to do the stuff that sprinkles on your food, or or the what? little or the little belt that 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 uh, stands away at your love handles. All of the little fad, <laughs> okay. gimmicky yeah. things that will help you lose weight are what a lot of us will gravitate towards. The quick fix. The quick, that's good, Rochelle, the quick fix. Yeah. Because what do I want? I want the weight loss. I want the great looking body, I, but I want to eat exactly what I want to eat. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking, that's a lot like the gospel. Mm. Because- I want to do what I want to do, but I still want to be able to punch my ticket to heaven. <laughs> and what is the annoying thing that the doctor will tell you mm. when you go, I need to lose weight? Well, diet and exercise. It, it's, 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 it's annoying. It, it stings the ears even. It's frustrating. And often that's how the gospel is with our culture. Mm -hmm. There's that annoying old gospel. There's that annoying old following Jesus and the principles. Of the, that's the way to live a great life. And we, and myself included, I mean, even as a Christian, I, I sometimes don't want to hear it. Not, not, not in the flesh part of my soul. I want to do what I want to do, 
but Jesus is calling me to do something else. Mm. And I'm not trying to make a theological statement with this analogy necessarily. I mean, I, I do believe that you can have that authentic relationship with Jesus and your life may not always show it, but yeah, you're still going to heaven. But in terms of the principles and living it day after day and how will I find the most joy in this life, mm-hmm. I, I think that is pretty synonymous. Mm-hmm. That instead of, well, I want more Netflix. Well, I want more whatever. Instead of Bible or whatever else. Well, I, you know, I won't go to church every Sunday. Yeah, no, that's, I don't think you should have to go to church every Sunday. Yeah, but I'm really not going to like go to church like ever. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if it starts to kind of go that way. Well, yeah, we start to live our lives the way we want to, and we start to see the negative consequences because like you said earlier, I mean, the Bible's going to be proven true. Yeah. So this is the way to live. I want people to see Jesus when they see me. Mm. And so if I'm not striving to be more like him and I'm just doing things that get me by, they may not get to see Jesus in me, Sure. which removes another opportunity for them to meet him. Yeah. You know, and I've heard it shared before. There's a lot of references in scripture um, with metals um, when the the gold is in the furnace and the dross is uh, melted off. And so you can see this pure shining gold after it's done. And the harder the metal is burned, the more uh, of the stuff that you don't want there to to be, the pure the metal is what I'm trying to get to. Mm -hmm. So ultimately the, the reflection of the one who is making this jewelry or whatever, their reflection is born in that precious metal. And so oftentimes I think, yeah, like you were talking about it, it's not always a blast sometimes following Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. It's not comfort food. Yeah. It's challenging, but we ultimately know it is for our growth and for our betterment, just like a good run sure, or eating celery, eating something. I know cucumbers, kale, So that could be, you could even equate the difficult times to something that may feel uncomfortable. And let's go a little bit deeper. Something that is truly challenging, something that just, wow, it almost sideswiped you, you know? And those kinds of things can either be something that furthers us in Jesus Christ, like the burning of the gold and the dross falling off of it so that his reflection can be seen in it. Mm. Or we can toss the opportunity of growth aside and do what everybody else says. Well, how could a good God mm-hmm. allow dot, dot, dot? You see the benefit in in discipline, in, in diligence, in, in repentance. And, uh, you know, with what you brought up with the analogy, the, the gold and stuff, um, you know, that's what that verse in one of the Corinthians, I can't remember which one it is. I feel like it's chapter three, but I don't remember which Corinthians it is, where it talks about, yeah, the, the whatever you build on the foundation of Christ, whether it be straw or hay or precious metals and jewels, and eventually the, you know, getting the getting to heaven process, that will be tested. And no man can lay a foundation besides what has already been laid, which is Jesus. But then your works will be tested with fire mm-hmm. and the straw and the wood and the hay will burn up at great loss to the builder, which is us. Yeah. Uh, and the, what will remain are the precious stones and jewels. And, and, and that is uh, the good works we do for the kingdom of heaven. That's still a little bit of um, um, 
oh, it's just a little cloudy and, and what all that means of spiritual gifts. Uh, I'm talking about in, in, in heaven we'll receive oh, rewards, yeah. right? Uh, but uh, but it, it does it does prove in, in my mind that, yeah, you, you can be a Christian, not live a great life. And you're, it literally says, and the builder will be himself will be saved. Uh, but the opportunity to have the growth here and the rewards there by building on the foundation of Christ with, with what's most important with stones and jewels, that being represented, how we love people, how we serve, what we uh, choose to believe in and what we choose to cling to in those hard times that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Th- those are those things that will not be burned up upon the entering the atmosphere, if you will, of heaven. Yeah, I think it's also, it's important to note in my life constantly that if it's too easy, then it's probably not worthy. Mm. If it's too easy, I didn't earn this. I didn't work for this in some way. I think that now the gift of what Jesus did, there's nothing easy about what he went through for us. It is a gracious gift and it's something I did not earn, but receiving it fully right, right, can sometimes actually be difficult because when you receive the gift of grace, you receive all that encompasses being a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that means that the answers might not always feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So when you are um, approached by somebody who has met some difficult times, and you don't have an answer for them that feels good going down, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I don't get to just with culture say, you know, whatever you believe in is is fine. Yeah. Like I don't get to just play that card no, if I'm no. really asked about it, right? And Hard think, truths sometimes, right? Truth and love always, but. We had a conversation on uh, once years ago of if if it were, if it turned out to be uh, false, if Christianity, if we for some reason could prove without yeah. a shadow of a doubt Christianity was false, would we really change anything? And I, and I think the, the ultimate, uh, you know, the, the big, um, obvious answer is, no, well, no, I live a great life and, and I wouldn't, what, what, what am I going to start doing? Murdering people and do, I mean, no, I wouldn't change it, you know, but I would change a lot of little things. <laughs> I would not care how I talk to people for the most part. I would only do things I wouldn't need to avert my eyes for any reason in regards to lust. I would eat and drink as much as I want. And how would that affect people around you, let alone you? Exactly, right? And right. so if we're proving that it's it's false and there's no reason to live for anything, well, then all those reasons would be justified and you would just go for it. But but these are the battles that you you say no to. Mm-hmm. And that's where, because, like you talk about, yeah. it's a free gift of salvation, but it's it's hard to live by. Yeah the intentionally not choosing to choose pride or lust or all of the things that this culture makes so easy. Oh, well, you have to be you. You just have to be yourself. And Mm -hmm. see, here's the thing. God has made you not out of a mold that he's just replicated over and over again. You are intricately designed to be an individual. Yeah. That is absolutely true. But we are a reflection of his handiwork. We were made in the image of our creator. And when we start to remove ourselves from looking in that mirror, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. one that says, I acknowledge I'm creation. I acknowledge that I am less than the creator. Yeah. Then we move into a place of, I am now God. Right. I am now on the pedestal. And what I say goes. Yeah. And I, I hear a lot of talk that 
we have to be careful. There's thin lines between referencing, I am a child of God and I am joint heirs with Christ because of what he did, right. not because of anything that I am. We were just watching Shania Twain on the Today Show and I'll always be a Shania fan. I mean, I just think just, just good memories of some of those songs back in the 90s. But um, but I, I don't necessarily know her spiritual walk. And, and she said something that was like so... It was like she was right on the fence of like something good or something really bad. <laughs> she was talking about her being her own authority and re, and at, even at an older age, wanting confidence and embracing confidence and saying, I'm in charge of me. And then she said some good, good. And so that's the, I'm in charge of me is like, well, okay, kind of, if you're serving God, but uh, you're kind of, you know, and then, and then she went on to say, so I'm responsible for my actions and my blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's yeah, awesome. That's that great. is really good. Yeah. But then she kind of went on the other side of it and was like, and so I'm going to embrace my, and she was basically saying my sexuality and my, and, and it was like, that's where it gets to that point of you hear these things in culture and you don't even really know what to make of it. Cause some yeah. of it sounds good. Mm -hmm. And I think the point of it is actually really bad. It's it, because the devil takes what God has created and made beautiful mm -hmm. and he perverts it. Yeah. So it becomes yeah. twisted. So it's this, it's really easy for you to cross over into a place that is anti sure. God. Sure. Because it's it's just this little twisting, this little manipulation of what should she embrace the fact that God has made her a beautiful woman? Absolutely. Should she embrace sexuality? The Bible tells us absolutely. Yeah, in the right context, right? In the right context, absolutely. Should we be responsible for our own actions? Yeah, we have to be accountable for the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Held held accountable. That's very biblical. Um, but then the world tells us, and everybody else who has a problem with it, they're the ones who are the ones with the problem. So I should be allowed to sit here and be half naked or whatever it mm -hmm. is. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wait, wait, Yeah, we're talking about being responsible and held accountable. I get that that can be difficult because uh, even the subject of modesty is relative in, in certain cultures. There sure. are some who feel that you should be from head to toe covered. Sure. Sure. And then in our culture, you know, shorts are appropriate and that would probably be enough for, you know, I don't know, arresting that individual in a different country. Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Being held under arrest. But, I guess my point is, is that if you are aligning yourself on a daily basis with Jesus and saying, Father, help me find the balance where you have helped so many others. If I'm constantly seeking God, even in the clothes that I wear, am, am I going to always make everybody happy when they see me? No. But is Jesus happy? Can I always bring it back to him? Would he be happy with my actions today? Sure. If every single night when I before I go to bed and I lay my head on my pillow, can I literally look back at the events of the day and say, God, this was the best this was the best version of today that it could be through your grace. And man, if you can do that more times than not in a year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be really, hey, that's a good year. There's a great, there's a great resolution right there, right? Uh, well, hey, thank you for hanging out with us. This is what we do weekly. If you're new, welcome. Yeah, there's plenty to catch up on. Um, we do this every week, talking about our quiet times, talking about what we're going through, talking about maybe what's going on in the news for that matter, but trying to bring it back to um, our relationship with Jesus. So if you want to leave a, a review, a comment, a five-star rating, we'd appreciate that. But just thanks for hanging out with us and we'll talk to you next week. 